My name is Tian Yushe. I'm a fourth year medical student at the New York Institute of Technology, and you're listening to Do or Do Not. Welcome to our 11th episode. This is a special episode geared towards pre-medical students. Jeanette Martin serves as Director of Admissions at the Idaho College of Osteopathic Medicine. She came to Idaho from Tennessee, where she worked as the Director of Admissions with an osteopathic medical school for over nine years. Jeanette earned her Master's in Education from Lincoln Memorial University and is dedicated to finding students with the perfect fit for ICOM, as well as the best candidates for future DOs. Hi, good afternoon, Jeanette. It's so good to hear from you today. How are you? I'm doing great, and I appreciate the opportunity to talk about ICOM and the admissions process here. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and who you are? I have been in admissions for about the last 15 years. I started initially at the college in Tennessee that was brand new. And then when they were thinking about opening ICOM, they emailed me and said, would you like to come up to Idaho and be a director of admissions here and get this program started? I asked my husband, who is retired military, (laughs) I asked him if he would go up for this last big adventure with me. And then he could determine where we retire. Well, come to find out, we both love it here in Idaho. It's absolutely gorgeous. It's beautiful. So it sounded like it ended up being a win-win situation for both of you. Actually, it it was. Prior being involved in osteopathic medicine, I I did social work, working with juvenile offenders, special needs and things. And I really love this profession because I get to work with such bright, passionate, curious, giving students. I'm absolutely blessed to be in a position like this and I get to meet the best people ever. So was it around that time when you were working with the social work that you decided that you wanted to work with medical students and further their careers? That was a just per chance thing. I had an opportunity to move to Tennessee and help my friend who we've been best friends over 55 years. Her husband was starting the medical school out in Tennessee and she needed me to come out and help take care of her parents. My daughter was raised and gone. So it was just a great opportunity for something new. So I went out there and I started working at the medical school out there and I learned so much and eventually progressed to the director position and just loved it. I was out there about 11 years, I think, and then I've been out here three years. Fantastic. Can you tell us a little bit about Idaho College of Medicine? Absolutely. About its background and what is your position at the school? I'm the director of admissions, the best position in the school, I'm going to tell you, but ICOM was founded in about 2016 to help meet physician shortage. Idaho was ranked 49th for primary care physicians per capita and 50th for physicians per capita. So we really needed a school out here to help address that issue. So our mission is to increase the amount of caring, compassionate physicians in this region. And what is your view on osteopathy since you have that position in the school? And has it changed since you became the director? 
Actually, I think if you're going to go to medical school, the osteopathic education, you get the additional hands-on. You know, it's just an extra tool. Do you think that ICOM has strengths compared to other osteopathic schools? And conversely, do you think it has certain limitations? That's an excellent question. I would never tell a student that this is the only place for them to have an education because it's really important how the student or the applicant fits. They need to pro and con all the schools they interview at. I think what Idaho College of Osteopathic Medicine does well is the culture, the connection with our students, our curriculum, our faculty. We have a lot of strengths, but then on the other side, some students want a mature mom that already has their board scores, their full accreditation, and things like that. This is our third year, so our our students are just now taking their boards, so we don't have board scores, and we won't have full accreditation until right before our inaugural class will graduate in 2022. Those are some limitations because when you're going to a school, you want to ask, hey, what's your board scores? Uh, do you have a good response to that? And so those are things that will eventually get here for us. But what we do attract is a lot of leaders, students who like to contribute to the foundation of a school and be involved in our curriculum has changed due to student feedback. We listen to our students and we make changes every year. We have a lot to offer, even though we're a new school. But again, some people want to go to a more established school, and that's fine too. When you interview, I tell students, look at how they communicate with you. And now with the changes because of COVID-19, you know, it's even more important to engage with applicants because they're not flying in to look at us and see us. So, Yeah, I just wanted to comment on when you were talking about the relationships and the interconnectedness of students and faculty, because these, some of these relationships are ones that are formed for life, and they're very important in the careers of these students. Absolutely. So I was hoping to give listeners insight into the process at ICOM, and hopefully they can take that and expand it to other schools also without spilling all the beans of sure. ICOM secrets. So what are the qualities you and the school look for in a prospective DO applicant when you're reviewing transcripts and trying to decide who to interview? Well, and we do holistic review, which is pretty much all of the osteopathic schools do a holistic review. So they're looking at more than just the transcript part of it or the MCAT part of it. This year is a little different for us because of COVID-19. We are doing virtual interviews. So I'll be glad to tell you a little bit about that process for us. But when we're reviewing applications, we don't have like an automated review. We go in and review applications by hand and look at everything. Of course, the application is just paper. After we read that application, do we feel the passion? Do we see somebody who is compassionate and their healthcare experiences or volunteer experiences have really helped them select this profession? Have they worked in the field? Have they shadowed in the field? So many opportunities. So we look at all of that. We do like to see good grades in science 
science, sometimes applicants don't know they want to be a physician until later in their academic career. So maybe the first two years weren't great in the sciences, but we can see an upward trend. We'll look and see, did they challenge themselves? Again, we look holistically at the application. That's what we're looking for. And what kind of questions are asked on these interviews? Not to go too specific. If you're selected, you would be interviewed by a clinician and a biomedical faculty. And then we have open file review. And so they can ask any questions. If you have a really bad semester, they might say, hey, what went on this semester? I didn't see anything in your personal statement. So they may ask about that. If you have several trips, let's say you went overseas and you did missions or had a healthcare experience over there, they may ask you, what was your favorite one? Uh, What did you learn from it? So their questions are really generated by looking at your application. And what about in regards to osteopathy? What do you expect students to know about the field when they step in for the interview? For example, maybe if uh, one of the applicants read A.T. Steele's book, The Philosophy of Osteopathy, would that help the student? Would that impress the interviewers? If they could speak to it, you know, if an applicant goes in saying they know all the tenets of osteopathic medicine, they may be asked, well, what's the tenets, you know? So just make sure you have an opportunity to know something about osteopathic medicine. Whether you read A.T. Steele's book, uh, see if you can find a seminar or an information session on osteopathic medicine. You know, you have to really be creative. But because I see the comments from the interviewers, if they don't know anything about osteopathic medicine, it is a red flag. So if you're coming to interview an osteopathic school, then yes, please know a little bit about osteopathic medicine. So we talked about what makes a great applicant. Are there any red flags that you guys look out for that would definitely make you say that's a no-no? There are a few. Let's say they have a downward trend in the sciences or their, you know, by their senior year, they should be uh, really making those good grades. And we offer feedback. So if you don't get a secondary invitation with us, you can call and say, hey, tell me how to improve my application. And we'll definitely talk to you if we feel like a post-bac or a graduate program would help you if you need more volunteers your hours, or we'll talk to you about your specific application and things that you could do to improve. A big red flag to us is inflated health-related hours. So we want you to come in with some experience, but when you put that you are a parent and you count that under health-related hours and it's 20,000 hours, you know, I don't know how old that makes your child, but that's kind of inflating your health-related experience. I saw one application where a person put that he lived with his fiance and she was a diabetic. And I asked him, are you responsible for medication? Or, you know, no, he just lived with her. So that to me is an inflated health-related hours. So, you know, be honest about it. 
So the average entrance MCAT score for DO schools are slightly lower than allopathic schools. Do you think having a prior career or interesting extracurricular activities or even more experience can compensate for deficiencies in these other areas? You have to convince the admissions committee you can make it through the first two years of classes. So you have to have some good grades. And we like your MCAT to be at a 50 percentile, and that is based on what they bring in their application into the table. You know, they might have had a prior career. They might have only taken the MCAT one time and didn't do great, but didn't do horrible. So we're looking at everything. What we do like about students who are non-traditional is they bring maturity, life experience, almost a calmness with them. So they know that even when things are rough, it's going to get better. This next question is really at the meat of our podcast. It's one of the reasons we wanted to start this podcast in the first place. So a lot of osteopathic students, even ones we have interviewed previously on our podcast, apply to both allopathic and osteopathic schools and were not accepted to allopathic schools. These individuals are doing great things. We have deans, CEOs, et cetera, et cetera. So clearly the osteopathic schools are doing a great job at choosing them to be future physicians. Are there attributes that you think osteopathic schools, specifically yours, are seeing that allopathic schools could be missing? I think it's because I've been in uh, reviewing applications and in osteopathic admissions for uh, almost 15 years. And honestly, we do the holistic review. We look at everything. So let's say you are an athlete and because you played football or you were swimming, you know, you may have kind of an average GPA or maybe even a little low. But when you come to medical school and you're not, you're not putting that energy into the sport, you're putting that into your study skills. So again, it's that holistic review that's so important. I think that allopathic schools have started started to do more holistic review. You know, honestly, that's why they changed the whole MCAT style. Used to be a different score, like three to 45 in different subsections. They wanted to change it so that the allopathic schools didn't look for just the top third of the MCAT results because the data shows if you're at 50 percentile, you're going to do as well as somebody who's in the 75th or 85th percentile. So I think we've gotten that all along and the MD schools are just starting to see that. I think they still look for the really high scores, but they're looking at other attributes also, I hope. So everything you've done in your academic career, your volunteer experiences, list it down because each bit of those things, research, let's say you've done research, that tells your story of who you are, what you like, things like that. So that's why it's important for us to do the holistic review and for applicants to put everything down. Thank you. That was great advice. With that being said, do you have any other final advice for students that want to apply to your school that maybe you haven't said yet? 
if you're passionate about becoming an osteopathic physician and maybe things didn't go smooth for you in undergrad or maybe you had a life-shattering experience or those things make you stronger you continue that drive. That shows you have grit. It might make you more compassionate as a physician. So if you wonder if you could qualify to be an applicant, please check us out. Call us. We would love to talk to you. Another piece of advice I would give to applicants, it's okay to reach out to the schools that you're interested in. Ask questions. I wouldn't call and say, well, tell me what makes your school better than anybody else's. I would certainly review the website and and things like that. And then just, you can see if you might be competitive. You can ask questions. We take people, if they forward their unofficial transcript, to us. We look at it and say, hey, you might want to take this class or this class, or you don't have your physics. We will certainly be glad to give feedback. That's what we're here for. We have rotation sites in New York. We have a rotation site, Long Island, New York. So uh, we have one in the South, in Mississippi. So we do look at applicants from all over the United States. The other thing is, you know, be aware of the engagement from the school to you. Are they reaching out to you? Have they asked you questions? Are they communicating via email? You know, are you missing something and they, t- they ask you for it? So that's really important too. Are you an individual with that school or are you just a number? So pay attention because it's not just about us selecting you. You need to select the school that's a good fit for you too. I think that's great advice. Thank you so much for letting us pick your brain a little to get insight. Thank you. I uh, really appreciated participating in this. And again, if anybody listens that wants to talk to me, give me a call. Look at our website. If you have any further questions, you can contact Jeanette at jmartin at idahocom.org. You can also look under their events tab under their webpage for upcoming information seminars. This concludes our episode of Do or Do Not. Send all inquiries, comments, suggestions, and even let us know if there's someone you want us to interview to do or do not podcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at Do or Do Not Podcast for updates. If you enjoyed our podcast, please share it with your classmates and administration. We have plenty of more interviews lined up, and we're excited to share them with you. This is Tian Yu Shea. Thank you guys so much for listening to Do or Do Not.